Christmas time In Amityville you better be afraid It's Christmas time In Amityville you're gonna bloody die Christmas Day to all you lovely listeners out there. I know that you are draped in tinsel, dealing with food comas and playing on your new toys. And I want to welcome you, especially for all those listening on your new phones, your laptops, your headphones, your earbuds, whatever you got. Well done. Today, we're going to begin a whole new series on a year in horror. It's a series where over the next few years, I guess, years, I'm going to be exploring the Amityville horror phenomenon, which at the time of recording, it's led to over 50 feature-length movies all being released onto this world. I'm going to be interviewing regular podcast guests, plus I'm going to be interviewing the directors, the writers, the actors, and the producers of all this messy-as-hell franchise in an attempt to get to the bottom of, of, well, why? I've already got a couple of these in the bag, so I've delved into 2015's Amityville Playhouse, a.k.a. Amityville Theatre. I did that with my best bud, Benjamin Bowles, my best Christmas bud, Uh, and then I also took on the task of hitting up the director from the 2020 movie, Amityville Poltergeist. You better believe your bottom bum knuckle I did. Now, this series is going to be taking place over on the Patreon channel from here on in. I'm just going to launch it here on the big one. But what's that? How do you sign up to Patreon? Well, I'm glad that you asked me. Head over to patreon.com forward slash a year in horror. As well as the Amityville series, you're going to be opening up a whole world of hurt there. At least four episodes of ghastly content every single month for you to feast upon, including the Video Nasty series. And yeah, I'm finally over the halfway point with the Video Nasties, and I think I'm going to be pretty sad about it when I've ticked them all off. I didn't think I would enjoy it, but I bloody love it. Right, enough of this business. Right now, we're here for Amityville, and this is the 1979 book adaptation called The Amityville Horror. This is the first one of the bunch. Well, that's not strictly true, because Amityville is actually just the name of a real town, and technically, the terror in Amityville Park from 1977, otherwise known as Prey, and actually more widely known as Alien Prey, well, that's the very first film to carry this clumsy placed franchise marker and I'm using it because this film got retitled for the Italian audience Terra ad Amityville Park so there you go true fact that's the first Amityville one and I'm going to be covering that in the future are you confused are you well you will be because as I mentioned there is over 50 of these things and next month 
maybe 60 of these things. I can't keep up. They're coming out all the bloody time. I've got a spreadsheet though, and it means that I know every stinky Amityville film that finds its way into being. And if I'm going to give you any Christmas tips, it's make a spreadsheet. That's a very, very good tip, that one. I don't want to do it alone, though. Not on Christmas Day, especially. No. So today, we've got a returning guest, and you may well know him from that 2003 Big Hitter episode where he covered Jew on the Grudge with me. It is the one, it is the only Matthew Davies Cray singer with the band Funeral for a Friend. Why choose him? Well, we've got very similar tastes, and his passion for this stuff is blood deep. Now, we were chatting a while back, and he did mention to me that he couldn't wait to delve into this new 4K UHD copy of the film, and as luck would have it, I hadn't yet recorded what was actually going to be just a solo episode for this one. What happenstance? What delightful coincidence? So here we are. We're all Christmased up. We're ready to wax all over this big one. You want iconic moments? Well, this film's got them. you got a jump scare that still gets me. It's the eyes in the window. What about when they open the cellar? That's a passageway to hell right there. They're just ones that we didn't mention in the chat. I think I'm ready now. Let's go to it. This is Stuart Rosenberg's 1979 blockbuster hit. The Amateurville Horror. It's down on the hill. You make the left and you make the right thing, you go, Amityville. It's the house on the hill. Matthew. Happy Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas to you, my good sir. <laughs> this this coming out Christmas Day. Um, oddly, I have no idea why, but Christmas Day <laughs> last year was my yeah. second busiest day. Really? What are people doing? <laughs> on Christmas Day to make it busy? Come on now. <laughs> I, I guess you've got your new device and you want to... Yeah, I, I get people want to play with things, don't they? I? I mean, it's like get giddy. I mean, even at our age, I think we get giddy at the, at the prospect of playing with new toys. Well, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but <laughs> still, I don't know. My second busiest day ever is Christmas Day. Is a weird thing, so I can't miss that opportunity again. I'm a stats freak, so yeah. Well, welcome back on Christmas Day. <laughs> oh, pleasure, pleasure. Thanks for inviting me back, man. So there was from your last appearance where we talked about Juon, there was a question and it came in from Jean. Uh, Jean. And she said, Do you recommend Pulse? Oh, um yeah, I do Pulse. actually, yeah. I mean, Jean, Jean, yes. I mean, that's a very good question. And I do recommend Pulse. I think Kiyoshi Kurosawa hit a very distinctive vibe with that movie and it still i mean we talked about this i think yeah we did a little bit like the tech things to do with technology and kind of the impact on us and i mean sometimes that gives me some level of anxiety of like you know ghosts coming through the the medium that we utilize every day and the, the way that our modern existence kind of i think it's a brilliant movie and i don't think it gets enough love specifically in the circles that i kind of operate with it's always like what's that film there and uh i always like when it comes to japanese horror films i i kind of always throw it out there because it's um it's it's paced beautifully it's it's a very haunting film across this whole spectrum because the way it's shot it's almost like a zombie movie 
in a weird roundabout way because it's like there's just so much space and, and, and quiet. Uh, it's just, it's, it's unsettling. So, yeah, I do recommend Pulse wholeheartedly. She was upset with me because I gave it half points. I gave it just like a half mark. I thought, well, yeah, it's all right, but I didn't think it dated very well. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can see like the, obviously when you when you make a film based around aspects of technology, right. it does show its age. But I mean, I think if um, oh, emails popping up, if yeah, I know work Christmas can't, can't get away from Christmas and <laughs> work at Christmas. You know, when it comes to a movie made in the, I'm pretty sure it was made in the in the in the nineties, possibly early two thousands. And I mean, yeah, anything you look at it now, it's kind of viewed through the lens of of nostalgia in terms of what it's utilizing, how it's utilizing these things. But I still think it's very powerful because it's still very relevant to to technology today. I mean, the the way these devices look may look dated. It's a metaphor for, I guess, losing touch with our kind of deep kind of sense of of being as 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 humans and our kind of historic i mean in terms of japanese kind of culture the sense of being with spirituality the this is a very spiritual country as well so and i find it very very powerful and very impactful and, and very relevant still so big up i think can't believe you give a half a, point mate it's because and i'll tell you the reason why i i watch two two or three a day and yeah. You know, it's one of those that I'd never seen before. It was on the list. Just knock it off the list there. I've watched it and I moved on. And I didn't think of the larger context in it. Sometimes yeah. I'm just pulled in by a film and I can't watch anything else for the rest of that day. Um, but this one was just, I have to get through these. And yeah. it. I think some um, of the Japanese horror stuff, you have to really let it, you, you have to marinate in it, I think. Your your brain has to really settle, you know, settle with it. It's like the grudge, man. I think your brain has to really kind of like it's one of those films that when you watch it, you step back and it sticks with you. Like the ring, just these films kind of stick with you. I think that's the power of them, and that's what makes them so cool in my mind. There you go. I mean, that's an answer for Gene, right? Well done, Gene. Thanks for asking the question. I hope it was a suitable answer for you, Gene. It's done. Yeah, yeah. I'm so Merry happy Christmas, that Jean. I remembered that. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna love that. Right. Okay. Um, we're talking about Amityville Horror today. Now, yep. oh, before, oh. before we do, yeah. um, because this is coming out Christmas Day, I've got to ask you, is there any favourite Christmas horror movies that you'd like to recommend for folks out there that just want to horror it up today? I do. And I've kind of thought about this one a great deal on the topic of our actual conversation uh, for today's episode as well. So um, my favourite festive horror... Oh, hello. ...is Black Christmas. Bob Clark's seminal festive slasher um, featuring Margot Kidder. Uh, <laughs> yes, in, indeed. In the Amityville horror. Um, bizarre, bizarrely, I mean, when when you... Obviously, you, you hit me up with that question, and I was like, that's bizarre. That's mental that we're talking about a film with Mark Kidder in and one of my favorite Christmas films, horror films. She's and, amazing. And um, yeah, I, I Black Christmas for me is a film that um I discovered through the medium of Netflix a few years back. Um just going on one of those kind of late night kind of like, oh, what the fuck is on Netflix now? kind of thing. And um, and there it was, and I'd never seen it. And I'd I heard so much about the movie. I watched it, and it was actually on Christmas Eve. <laughs> probably about <laughs> got to be about seven, 
years ago now, I think maybe. And um, I, I adored the film. I thought it was beautifully creepy, wonderfully festive in a weird way. And a film that a lot of slashers after this have, have really kind of lifted elements from. In term, like for me, the biggest really? one, the biggest one is, I'm, I'm not sure how much of an effect it had, but the first person camera movements in this film must have had an impact on John Carpenter for the opening for Halloween. You know, this came out in yeah. 1974. Yeah. And, you know, 78, I think, was 77, 78 was Halloween. So I would have imagined this would have been very much on the forefront in terms of when you're looking at making a horror movie or a slasher movie um, would have been definitely viewed. And um, I watch it every year. I mean, it's one of those films like Halloween. Halloween is a ritual film for me, obviously, because <laughs> it's like, you know, when it comes to the, the season and, and and Black Christmas is is for me as well. I mean, I avoid watching this in in the, the scary season because I think it just, got, just fits so nicely in, in just to watch on Christmas Eve, you know? I loved it. And often it, when I'm watching a film from the early 70s, especially the 60s, it takes something really special for it to jump out. And mm. the phone call noise uh, oh, so that on the other end of the phone is freaky scary, even today. It's, so clever. Mind-blowing. I mean, I bought the... Um, I was really chuffed when Waxworks did the, uh, the, the soundtrack on vinyl. Yeah. And I was like, yep. Grab that, and it's literally just horrific to listen to. It's just, uh, but it's just, it's it's such a perfectly placed, and it's a very compact. I think it's Pino Donaggio. No, it's Carl Zitra. So sorry, Pino. Sorry, Pino. I was giving you M two credit there, but um, <laughs> but um, yeah. But it's 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 wonderful. I mean, it's so minimal in terms of a lot of the kind of actual score. In the film, you know what I mean? It's like this sort of Christmassy kind of elements there, you know, very carolly kind of stuff going on. And you got this real intense audio kind of design with the phone calls, which is just, oh, it's amazing. Beautiful. What about any of the sequels? Did you see them? I haven't seen any. I mean, I know there's remakes. Oh, sorry, uh, the remakes, not the sequels, the remakes. And uh, I mean, I've been tempted. I kind of don't want to sully the kind of <laughs> the thing is it's like it's like with Halloween to a degree. I mean, I, I've kind of burdened myself with the the sequels that come after because I think to some degree they've added some level of interest for me as the movies have progressed. And like, unfortunately, Friday the Thirteenth, I could I couldn't hack I couldn't hack that in many ways. <laughs> But uh, with Black Christmas, I think it's like one of those films which I, I really want to keep pure. And I'm, I may find myself bored one festive season and decide to watch uh, a remake just to see. But I'm, I've got this and I don't, I got, that's all I need, mate. That's all I need. Yeah. They're, they're, I think yeah. they're both all okay, those remakes, but none of them, none of them even get close to the OG. So, yeah. Yeah, man. You got, you got Okia. You got, it's a great cast. It's very compact. It's a compact film. I mean, it's like, you know, technically one set, the, the sorority house. Yeah, man, yeah. it's great. Classic, classic. So a few days ago, I launched the, uh, or I released, should I say, the best Christmas films of all time horror version. Mm -hmm. 
And I'll tell you my top three. I'm going to run it by you and see what you think. Okay, so number three, it's a Belgian film, Calvaire, a.k.a. The Ordeal. You heard of that one? No. You'd have to send me a link for that one. <laughs> Fantastic. It's part of the French extreme, uh, but it isn't French. It's Belgian. So, yeah, strange. Belgium, I mean, Belgian film, uh, there's a few Belgian films that have come through over the last couple of years. It's been really promising in the in the horror genre. Cub is another one which I... Oh, I man, that's great. Film. Yeah, good pick. Ooh, right there. So it's not a, obviously not a Christmas film, but it's a Belgian film and worth checking out. Okay. Inside. No. I'm French not Extreme. Uh, okay, so we're going, okay, okay. Yeah, oddly. Number two. Um, well, I don't know what to say about that. It's, uh, it's, What's the premise? it's Christmas. What's premise the premise is... Uh, a woman wants to take revenge on Santa Claus on another woman. Okay. That's pregnant. And it all happens with a home invasion on Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty horrific. Number one. Yeah. Gremlins. Uh, I had to. Yeah. I mean, I, I honest. Yeah. I can back that. I mean, to be honest with you, that's a film in my youth, which I watched so so often i mean it's one of those films when you grow up it's like quintessential 80s film uh, and i haven't seen it in years and i literally recently picked up the 4k disc so i'm i am really excited to see gizmo you know meatball uh gremlins um out of himself in high definition <laughs> that's where i'm you know Oh, I'm excited. That's good. That's on my list for this for this festive season. I made a little list for for this Christmas, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, catching up on some. I, like I said before, I don't really you know stick to horror. I go all across the spectrum. So Gremlins is definitely on the list. Um, I think that has got to be covering Christmas. We've got to have covered it, right? Christmas done. I mean I Christmas. I mean, technically, with those movies, I mean, obviously, with the two that I've never heard of before, but I'm keen to to discover, and I will add those to my my letterbox um, watch list for. I definitely recommend it, although it's not one for all the family. No, 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 <laughs> uh, not over that. Um, we're here to talk about Amityville yes. Horror um, on Christmas Day. Uh, yeah, on Christmas Day. Now, the reason I'm doing it is because for the Patreons out there uh, that have signed on to the channel, thank you so much. But unfortunately for you and for me, I'm going to try and watch all 50 plus films over the next, I don't know, two <laughs> years, three years. Who knows? Um, I've already got a stack of these done. I've been speaking to various actors, various directors. And oh, my gosh. They all seem to think it's trash what they're doing, but they're just doing it because they love film. So, yeah, fine. But we have to start somewhere. And yeah. the first release is going to be this one. So we're going to the OG, to the Amateurville Horror 79. What is your history with this one? Um, Like a lot of the stuff when I got into, like, just, like when we, we kind of briefly touched upon it last time we spoke, when I kind of first decided to wrap my head around horror after really struggling with it in my in my childhood, I went a bit cockamamie and went to Rockbusters and rented pretty much everything that they had because I wanted to just devour it all. And Amateurville was um, was in amongst the kind of first bunch of films that I kind of would picked up because of just 
hearing so much about it over the years in some in various forms and being very aware of the iconic imagery of the house right and it's kind of like one of those things that like like you know the michael myers mask like freddy's claws like the jason you know ski mask and stuff it's it's an iconic image the side of the of, of the house and yeah. like the, almost the, the features of it i watched it expect i think i expected something a bit more intense in terms of not the psychological, the more kind of like um, hot, uh, in-your-face horror than the psychological aspect of it. And I, it stuck with me. And it's, it was a film that has become, over the years, one that I've, I've gone back to a bunch of times. In in I've owned it in various different formats over the years. In my kind of like horror comfort blanket <laughs> canon, uh, <laughs> it's definitely one in there because I, I really enjoy it. I know pe some people think it's kind of boring. I hate um, that when people say, and so many do. I know it's. I I find it ridiculous. I mean, because I love I love haunted house kind of like vibe films. Anyway, I I always loved the kind of the almost the kind of the way it the 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 horror and the anxiety seeps visually into James Brolin's face over the course of like ten ten seconds. I love I love it. I love it's it's a very easy going horror film if you want to call it, it's kind of more psychological horror, I guess, to some degree. And it does, then it does go a bit kind of like mental towards the end a little. Um, and there are some really good set pieces in there. I mean, obviously the, the flies in the bedroom, um, Rod Steiger having a fair sweat on. <laughs> uh, that's a horror story in itself. I mean, that's literally, you know, Rod Steiger sweating for, for three minutes, um, giving it his all, every pore, every pore of horror came out of Rod Steiger in that scene. But there's some really cool moments as well. Little kind of like little blink and you miss it, little scenes where it's just like something's going on here. And it's just one of those films that's always stuck with me. I mean, I love James Brolin. I love Michael Kidder in it. I love Rod Steiger in it. I think the way the film is shot is fantastic. I think the score is great. I think it all plays together. And I, I, I don't see why people kind of find it. Some people find it particularly boring i mean i know some people the people who find it boring prefer the second film for obvious reasons yeah but um yeah i've always i've, I've got always had a soft spot for for the look at that horror yeah i mean as soon as i as soon as i heard that uh vinegar syndrome were putting out a 4k of that film i was a super excited i was running around the kitchen like a fucking little <laughs> crazy boy um, but it looks amazing. I, I mean, and I, I do highly recommend it. Like, obviously, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not here to uh, to pimp out company stuff. But if you are a fan of the film and you want to see it in the best possible presentation, then I recommend picking up the Vinegar Syndrome release because it's stacked. It's pretty, it's fucking stacked, man. Now, hey, you get a delicious fucking flip cover, which is always delicious. But it's it's just got so much stuff in it. And I love this. I mean, films of this era, especially films that I really love, I love kind of delving into like all the kind of meat and bones. And there's so yeah. much like like background towards the film, you know. I mean, uh, documentaries, interviews with actors, like this interview with them, like there's archival stuff here, like you know, with James Brolin and Margot Kidder, recent interviews with James Brolin as well. And it's just like it's he's great, great he's great, man. It's great. I can't deny that, man. It, it, when you dip into those extras, uh, I recently bought mine, but not the 4K. I've got the uh, the, the Blu-ray that you can get here. I, I don't know. I just spent hours going through it all. 
I don't know, nerdy boy, because I hadn't yeah. seen any of this stuff before. When I was young, uh, and I mean way too young, I think it was 84 or maybe 85, I remember it being on the TV and my parents were watching it and I didn't get through the film, didn't watch film, but that music with the kids, oh, oh, I was so no, scared, I was oh, so mate. frightened. I didn't come to this for years and it was always one of those that when I started collecting horror it was like I, I'm gonna buy that one day I what the hell was I so frightened by and, and yeah. you know what yeah I mean it's like one of the it is it's, it's like that I mean I don't know why, why horror films have that kind of effect I mean I don't know what it is about when you're young and you get so wrapped up and scared of them that later on you just want to I don't know whether it's trying to come to terms with it or wanting to embrace it, but I mean, I think if you end up being like totally shit scared of horror as a kid, then you become to you come to love it and appreciate the genre later on in life, or yeah. then you, or you turn to God and then you just hit life in general. Uh, <laughs> Double yes. <laughs> or, um, but I mean, it's like it's 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 a great film of the time. I mean, it's it, the aesthetic is beautiful. I love that whole kind of seventies horror, late seventies, early eighties horror aesthetic. And um, we talk about the score, Lalo Schifrin, the you know, the fucking legend. Insane. What a beautiful fucking yeah. And it, it just it just sticks. And it's, I think it still holds up even to this day in the realm of horror that is so quick and you know, in your face. It's a very, I don't know, very, very modestly paced, kind of like slow burn ghost horror possession story, you know what I mean? Based on true events. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about the two leads. So we've mentioned them both. I'm going to come back to Brolin, actually, because I've got an issue with him. So when we come to the, like, speak about what we're not keen on, I'm going to mention it there. But okay. I do want to mention Kidder. So right. I think for me, what I initially loved about this was when I did start getting into the, the videos and things, she just looked hot as hell with the, the pigtails and I really loved it and it drew me in and I wanted to know what was going on with this character um, and like the family set up because I, I don't know sometimes when you're that age and you, you fall for someone yeah. you just watch everything so I remember I was getting Sisters, Black Christmas, Superman I would just yeah. get them I was like I love it come on um, and I just think when I look at this with without that context of being pervy young kids and actually watching her as an actor she's incredible in this she's so subtle and then it just builds and builds and builds and builds i love yeah. it i think and I, I i think you're right i mean it's i mean coming from my experience with margot kidder from the superman films which are you know popcorn candy yeah. kind of like straight up you know big screen cinema stuff superhero films Coming to these kind of films was, and Black Christmas as well, was just a revelation in terms of what she actually brings to the table as an actor. And um, the genuine kind of emotion, the genuine kind of like, you know, seeing her 
the things unraveling in front of her eyes and the way she she kind of handles it and has that steadfast kind of like parent kind of like keeping things under control but behind the eyes you know that she's fucking freaking out of what's going on yeah and it's it's and that's that's a tough thing to kind of pull off i think in any you know between hysteric going hysterical like literally all the fucking horrific things that kind of happen throughout the film like the little kind of like the things that would break somebody you know and seeing your husband kind of travel this fucking going this weird path (laughs) and then bring you know keeping it all together i think it's it's very subtle it's very very measured and she's she's wonderful very 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 strong performance i think what really got me is at the very beginning when they're just discussing that the sort of and she's so excited they're just discussing can they actually afford this house you know they're both sitting down when they've looked around it and it feels so honest you can see the excitement in her but she's also being measured can i can i actually do this and afford it and yeah. we've all been in those sort of situations where where we're in love with this person we want to start something fresh with them but you also got to be considered with what you're doing and i think she just pulls it off with ease on this one and it makes yeah. you believe what's going to happen a bit later on a bit more I think so. I mean, it's like it's it's a measure of an actor when they present when they present a character who's meant to like an everyday person. You know what I mean? And that's what they you know the the whole the power behind the thing is a is a is a normal family unit. You know, you 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 need to see beyond the the film stars and believe them as as what they're portraying, and and you do. I mean, I you believe them as as a couple. I really do. I mean, it's like you kind of you get lost in the film in that regard. You kind of the relationship. You know, there are whether it's like we don't really kind of know what the divorce previously or whatever or what, what situation they've come from, but they, you know, they've come together in this relationship and they are totally believable. I mean, and that's the power I think of. And I think Margot is the stronger of the pair in terms of like yeah. the way she holds herself in the relationship and the way that she portrays the relationship. Even the reaction shots to the batshit stuff that kind of goes out the surface stuff that you kind of like think that's like you you totally get it because you think that's yeah. how you would react in that circumstance you know so it's it's definitely portrayed you know hitting the nail on the head you know when you're younger and you're like into movie stars or whatever just because of the way they look and things like that when that fizzles away and you revisit some of these performances like they're not so great and that's why I was just like oh so keen to discover what else she'd done because she is yeah. that good I mean, it was. Yeah. She's an actress that I've really not seen enough of of her of of her kind of of her movie resume. Really, I mean, but obviously between Sisters and Black Christmas, I think, and Superman is like literally the four kind of films that I've kind of know her from. Really, so um, I definitely want to kind of dive into to see what else she's, she's done well i know that oh what was the rob zombie one she was in i think it was halloween 2 she was a psychiatrist or halloween 1 i don't know <laughs> i can't remember but that was one of her last films before she died like i think she did a couple more maybe but yeah very late on um anyway anyway i yes. want to talk about my favorite bits of this so come on in. i i'm just gonna go with the priests they <laughs> 
I love every every time there's a priest involved. I love this film. I love it so yeah. much. So you've already mentioned. I mean, we've got the iconic scene: priest flies. They're, the they're making him feel sick. <laughs> the sweat. Um, can you imagine a 4K? I guess you don't have to imagine. Oh, no, it. No, it no, 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 that high definition HDR sweat uh, is going thing to believe. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that scene is just that is one of my favorite points of the film, and I think you are right. I mean, for some reason. The highlights of the uh, of the scenes with the involve the priest, either Rod Steiger or the other priest, the I can't remember the name of the character, his his uh, assistant, so to speak. You know what oh, I mean? Um, Bolin, I think. Yeah, is. yeah, and um, and there's like the there's a whole thing where he is recovering from this episode where he's literally been came by flies and he's trying to articulate to these other other priest, the father and uh, um, archbishop or something, and um, how severe he feels that this family, how much danger this family are in. And the sheer, like, power of Rod Steiger is just yes. there. I mean, it's just like, shit, man. It's just this, this is like Hollywood legend Rod Steiger going for <laughs> Rod Steiger. And um, it's just, you can't keep your eyes off. That scene is just powerful, man. <laughs> it is. I, when he goes blind. It's one of those, oh God, what can you do about this house? I remember when we talked about um, just visiting the house in Juon and you, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just like that. It's, but don't go just, in there. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, this is the beauty <laughs> of film, isn't it? It's like, this is one of the things about watching what these films so fucking great is that we're there screaming at the TV, don't the fuck go into our house. And yet, you know, character after character, dead, dead. So I've, I've got to mention this. There's a little nod to Jaws in this. Uh, I don't know whether it is intentional. It must be. But you've got Father Ryan, who's played by Murray Hamilton, and he is simply just reprising that role of the mayor in yeah, Jaws. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I, I don't oh. believe that. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's brilliant. Uh, like, it it's is, absolutely it that- brilliant. I'm just going to do the same thing. We want you to play the character that literally believes that nothing is wrong. <laughs> Everything is going to be fine. And and then just, just go and action. <laughs> it's literally brilliant. Yeah. Imagine a director. Yeah, you know what you did in Jaws? Just do and that again, thanks. But you're a priest. <laughs> 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 yeah, and this director, I, I looked looked him up. So Stuart Rosenberg, he'd done some true crime stuff before. He'd done this thing called The Laughing Policeman, which is about a gunman on a bus. And he'd done a mafia thing called Murder, Inc. But like hardly anything else. And um, yeah, and nothing to do with horror. So this is his like one little dabble in it. And I think I he think, did a pretty good job. I think that probably is the reason why it doesn't come off being quite a full-on kind of trip down the horror kind of tropes. Yeah. Because it's being handled by somebody who's, I guess, familiarity with the genre is is maybe not as ingrained as as an uh, you know as if like John Carpenter was doing the Amityville horror, so to speak. Sure, Jesus, now that's a film. <laughs> John <laughs> <Yeah>. Carpenter, John, <laughs> I got an idea for you, John. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's um. I mean, this. I mean, isn't it ripe for a remake or or four or? or oh five? well, there, there's been like. Let's not go there. I've got. I've already got fifty <laughs> to go handle this. Well, I don't you want got another this one. on your shoulders, mate. But no, I mean, I think, and that's kind of like where it 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 succeeds for me because it's it's approached through the lens of a very different type of movie. I mean, obviously, it's going to deal with you know the spiritual side of things, the the goat, the possessed kind of side of things, and obviously the 
know, the discovery of the of the history of the house, the whole thing, which was explored to more gruesome detail in the actual lit in the like 2013 remake, which which literally played played on those elements a lot stronger than than the original. And I think which is why it's a less less of a movie. It's more about the the effects and less about the actual family going through the the process. I find it's more about the aesthetic of the film than the actual the film. Where this is like you you're invested in the in in this family going through these unexplained horrible things. And yeah, to some extent, it's limited by its budget because it's not a very big budget movie for the time. But it does rely on the strength of of its cast, and I think the writing is also very good. I mean, it's 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 a very well paced placed film. I mean, and it's yeah. I mean, you've got like over the top moments from Rod Steiger, but that's what kind of I mean. But yeah, I mean, that's those are the things that kind of make it kind of that bring it back to being such a uniquely special movie because you have those elements of bombastic talent. <laughs> if you want to call it that yeah um, you know and you've you know with these not the same newcomers but i mean brolin's been around for a while at this point but you know with margot kidder as well who's been you know around for a decade in, in this in this in the in the system and you're playing off these moments and it's i think it's it's brilliant and succeeds on leveling those elements in a very measured way more than films that have come after so my issue yeah uh, would come out so go on then Hit me with it. The issue is with him, but he redeems himself. And I'll tell you what I mean. So with regards to it, I'm, I remember a quote from Stephen King where he was talking about Jack Nicholson. And it was just like, the reason I didn't like that film was because uh, you can see from the first shot that this guy's a mad bastard. Uh, and he's going to be a mad bastard throughout the whole film. And there, there's no sort of like build, build, build. And I sort of Are get Are we talking that. about The Shining? If yeah. we're talking about the shining, there, that's exactly exactly my bugbear with Kubrick's shining. But there we go. Se- separate story. So I think the character of George here is um is, is very similar. We don't get that slow build up. I want to know, and I know it's yeah. already quite a long running mm-hmm. time, but I want to know why Kathy loves him so much. I want to I want to see some of that. Like, oh, he's such a great guy. This is why I'm going to stick with him throughout his whole breakdown is because i truly love him and we don't get to see enough of it i don't know if there was some on the cutting room floor and they just wanted to get things moving yeah i mean it's full on it's difficult i mean obviously because the 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 film is told in little blocks of like day you know when the events start to really happen day one day two day three yeah before it does t- literally show the passage of time. I mean, we're meant to believe that this family have been in this house, moved in, and trying to settle into this house over a period of time. And and I guess I don't know. I've never been possessed by a fucking uh, a <laughs> scary true. house. Good I point. Mean, I don't know how long it takes for you to go batshit mental. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I do give Brolin, and I do see a point. I do think his descent, for a from a cinematic perspective, from being invested as a viewer maybe comes a bit too sudden uh you don't you don't quite see the deterioration enough the stages of it maybe where i think it's kind of and this is one of the one things that i love i've never very very rarely say this but it's one of the very <laughs> sorry, it's one of the things i like about the way ryan reynolds handles the character in the <laughs> easy i know it's horrible <laughs> i just wiped my mouth out. i can't believe i said that um 
but I felt that his deterioration was more measured than Brolin's in the film. I mean, I don't know whether it has to do with the way it was, with the way the film has been edited, the way the whole, you know, the running time. I mean, it's a long film anyway for a type of film that it is. But, sure. But it's like the <laughs> the thing where you're supposed to believe that James Brolin somehow turns into somebody else because the person that was in the house before the DeFeo kid who killed the family before ended up looking yeah. like James Brolin. Whether or not that was like, I mean, that's one of the things in the film, which is like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure where this is hanging on. Are we meant to believe? I mean, that's the, that, that makes the whole descent into madness a bit weird because, you know, he just goes from being James Brolin to knackered James Brolin to sweaty James Brolin. Yeah. To I'm James Brolin with a bad back and I feel really cold. Can you put the fucking heat in it? James Always Brolin. with the heating. Yeah. Right. Why is it so fucking cold in this house? So I mean it's like, and and then that's the kind of thing. It's like, oh my god, you know, George now looks like George, and the killer looks like George. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, George is now George the killer. <laughs> um it's double George. It's I, it's, it, that did confuse me a little bit. I was like, where's this go? Where's this going? I mean. You know, where's what is what is the angle of that? I mean, I kind of know what it is trying to do, but it's a bit. I think it's a bit. You know, a bit of a letdown in the film, a little bit. Do you? Um, well, I think he redeems himself, right? So yeah. I, I guess switch off now if you don't want to know spoilers. But the the first time we actually see, oh my god, he is such a great guy. Is when he goes back and tries to save the dog. Oh, the dog. Good man. Oh, like, I'm like. I, I love you, James. I'm, I'm George. George, mm-hmm. what a man! I mean, and that is as as a as a as an animal lover. I when I watched the film for the first time, I was like, "But what about the dog?" Mm-hmm. And then he they 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 wrap up that plot thread beautifully. I mean, he it, falls through the fucking floor into the pit of gloop. Yes. The dog yanks him out, saves his saves his life. He grabs the dog, gives him a nice big sweaty kiss. And then they run out into the into freedom. What an end to a movie! I mean, and they all live happily ever after in in trauma with therapy. Um, <laughs> yes. Um. I, what? A, just think of the kids. What those kids had to go through. I mean, these are real kids in real life. At some point, somewhere. I mean, we can imagine believing this. Can you imagine watching this film and thinking this is how it actually played out. Yeah. <laughs> Could I, you believe that? I mean, oh story. man. So many good things about the Amityville Horror. If you haven't seen it before, if you haven't dived, if you all you've seen is the the remake or one of the many sequels later on, then obviously be aware that it is an old film. I mean, comparison, if you like, you know, it's not going to be a horror film like you kind of maybe expect it to be, but it is a very big slice of American kind of cultural kind of horror it's, oh, a, it's yeah. a big part of the cultural cake of, of, of horror for American cinema. I can't really expand on that because you're totally right. It, if you are exploring like the history of, of American cinema, let alone horror, just cinema, this is an essential watch. You need mm-hmm. to tick that box. Uh, I've got a little anecdote before we go, which I found from the one of the extras, and it's so good. So when he does fall through the house at the end, uh, into that what he called like the black sludge of hell juice or something like that <laughs> that he called it he they he they weren't willing to put their star actor through that 
So they had to find a lookie-like, and he goes, well, my brother looks exactly like me. So they just plopped his brother in there, like, live or die, off you go. And his brother's like, yeah, oh, I'd love to, I'd love to. What a, <laughs> what a, what a legend. What that... a family. What a family. They all look like each other. Even his son, even his son, Josh, looks exactly like his old man. I mean, Christ, that's the strong, that's the brolin genes going through work. I mean... <laughs> I bet if there was ever going to be a biopic about James Brolin and Josh Brolin needs to play his dad. I think, <laughs> well, I think. Who better? Who, who better to play you? Yeah, there we go. Oh, actually, and just a little thing. Oh. If you are interested in some deep cuts from, uh, from, from James Brolin, another horror film that I highly recommend is, uh, is The Car. <laughs> Yes. It's 1977's The Car. So this would have been possibly just before production on, on the Amityville Horror, potentially, but it's got a similar vibe, James Brolin, in it? <laughs> he yeah. looks he looks it's like, great. imagine, he, he could be George. That's what he did before he ended up you know, meeting Margot's character. But, I mean, it's it's another, you know, if you're into James Brolin, if you like the Amityville, if you like James Brolin in this and you want to discover some of his period horror films this was another film in my youth which i found i've had stuck in my head for so many years and couldn't figure out what movie it was i was watching when i was my dad was watching it when i was about five or six years old and i bought it in a sale a number of years back and lo and behold a fucking demon car driving around killing people fucking insane brilliant i love, I love how the car's lowered as well it oh. gets all them shots. Oh, I great. mean, we could have an entire episode about the car. I mean, this this thing is special. This thing is special, <laughs> and not many people appreciate. I'm pretty sure not many appreciate the power of the car and James Brolin in the car. <laughs> appreciate the power of the car. Um, well, before we go, I'm going to raise your car to a Westworld. What do you think of oh, him in that? You know what? I mean, I I, I kind of <laughs> like Westworld. <laughs> I do kind of like it. It's not a film that I come back to often because right. um, I think you're spoiled with the the kind of. I mean, this is one of the reasons. I mean, this is. I mean, it's a it's a Crichton film as well, isn't it? So it's like, I mean, Brun Yule Yule is is like literally the the, the power in that movie. They get yeah. rid of Brolin. Spoilers, quite early <laughs> on. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't stick around too long in the film. But I, I I find the Westworld series that they've done based on the whole thing um, way more. Obviously, it's going to be more compelling because it's through a different lens yeah. altogether. But I, I I think the approach to the, the subject is 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 um, is more rewarding in the thing. I find the the it's a bit apart from Yule Brunner's character. I find it a little bit like that, like watching Robert Patrick and Terminator Two for like an hour and a half walk in. Like going yes. trying to track somebody down, I mean that's kind of like it's just like a lot of running, a lot of trying to get away from from your brunner. Um, yeah, I, I I do like it, and I I've watched it a few times, but it's not my favourite. Another great episode. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys, and have a merry Christmas. So many thanks to Matthew there for coming onto the show. 
for this holiday season. And if you don't mind, I just want to clarify my issues here with George Lutz, okay? Because I don't know if I was clear. From the off, when we get to the one month later title card in the Amateurville Horror, George starts to feel cold. He's got trouble sleeping. He aggressively chops wood. He gets snappy with Kathy. He blankly stares into that fireplace. It's burning all the time. He can't get it up for sex with Kathy. He becomes a recluse. He just sharpens his axe. He is a dick to his work colleagues. And then he smacks Kathy around the face. He makes a nosebleed. He puts more wood onto that fire. His only respite in this whole length of the film is when he offers cash to Kathy's brother but even then that check bounces the guy is a knob until he goes back for that dog that we mentioned uh, and then he's just a legend so that is why I said we just don't get enough of George as someone to like he's either vacant or getting possessed by the house I want more I'd love to have just 10 minutes of seeing what a cool daddy is and a great husband. What a guy. That's all I would have needed at the beginning. But that was all I wanted to say. Yeah, so I wasn't sure whether I made that clear in there. So if I did, fantastic. If I didn't, I've just made it clear there. I'm going to stop talking because I've talked too much. And I'm also going to save that talking about the music for this film until I pull 1979 out of the bag for a big hitter episode. So... Get back to that Scrabble board. Make sure that you eat all those yummy veggies. And for those that want more Amateurville nonsense, and why wouldn't you? Well, it's patreon.com forward slash a year in horror from here on out. That's where you're going to find it. Merry Christmas. Thanks for sticking to the end. Yeah.